Welcome to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. I'm one of your lovely hosts, and over there, through the power of the magical internet, and still too close to me for my own good, is Mr. Ben Watts. It's a different state, dude. How's that too close? (laughs) It's always too close. I'm a good (laughs) shot, but I'm not that good. (laughs) Uh, Today we've got a really fun episode For you all, we've got some news from around the NFL. We've also got our top 12 dynasty quarterbacks and our top eight dynasty tight ends because there's not 12 worth talking about. (laughs) Tight ends are are pretty easy. Tight ends suck. Uh, But first, in uh, probably more sober news than what we want to talk about uh, when talking about fantasy football, uh, 24-year-old backup quarterback for the uh, for the Steelers, Dwayne Haskins died yesterday as of recording this. We're recording this on uh, Sunday. What is today? April 10th. He, uh, he passed away yesterday. And uh, yeah, really, really sad. Really, really sad. It's just kind of, just a reminder, I mean, he's our age kind of thing. Yeah, we were both 24 years old. He was about to turn, I think he was going to turn 25 in two months or something like that. But still, just just crazy. Um, Yeah. And really unfortunate. It was like, I mean, it wasn't out of the realm of possibility he ended up starting for the Steelers because I know they were having, I mean, it's going to be a competition in their camp. So, yeah, just sucks. You pray for his family, prayers for, you know, everybody in the situation. Uh, The Eagles and the Saints made a trade late last week, a pick swap, essentially. I like it for the Eagles. They traded the—so the Saints got the Eagles' 16th pick, 19th pick, and their 194th pick this year. The Eagles trade back, sort of trade back, because they get the 18th pick, uh, the 101 pick, the 232nd pick, and they also get a 2023 first and 2024 second. Jeez. So, okay, what do you think this means for the Eagles? And then we'll hop into the Saints version of things. But what do you think this signals that the Eagles are trying to do here? Because this is kind of a big move in terms of their draft capital going forward. I think, I feel like the Eagles are either, they're gearing up for if Jalen Hurts succeeds this year, they're going to be set to put weapons and things around him to help him succeed. But if Jalen Hurts doesn't succeed, they're in a very good spot, and they have a ton of draft capital to go get a quarterback. They either trade up in 2023 and get one, or they got enough picks to go trade for a veteran. Yeah, they definitely give themselves some flexibility. Um, I was talking to one of my friends about this trade as well, and they were eventually saying that they can sort of delay the decision on Jalen Hurts with this deal, um, where they don't have to pursue a quarterback this year um, just because of the nature of their draft picks. They still have two first-round picks this year, so they can load up on talent to help Jalen Hurts, but they've also got picks next year that if they feel like they need to get a quarterback, not everything for their future is resting on this draft. Um, I think they had three firsts this year before this trade. What's their other first this year? You know, I need to look. Um, but I want to say they had three firsts Um before this deal now they've got two this year two next year they have the uh 15th pick as well gosh if they want to go trade for they could do it this offseason honestly if they wanted to offer somebody two or four first for the next 
two years. I mean, gosh, they could. Um, I, d- and I don't have think to imagine, they would, but yeah, I know for a fact that they were in on Russell Wilson, and that just didn't work for them. Um, so I don't know. They probably offered a package something like that for Russ, uh, and and it just ended up not working. I don't know exactly the details of that, but. I mean, I probably would have picked Denver, too, if I were Russ. I would have, too. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more to like in Denver. Um, on the Saints side of things, what do you think this signals for the Saints' future? Um, well, I mean, the Saints, I feel like they've got somebody they like in this draft. They're not a stranger to moving up in drafts in the past to go get guys they like. So... It's, when you think about it, not a surprising move for them to try to get up a couple spots and get... They've got their eye on somebody. Yeah. This, to me, means that they have an inkling that Kenny Pickett will drop or they're really in love um, with players outside of quarterback and they just want to load up. Because you got to think, the Saints roster, just because of their cap situation post-Drew Brees era, has been kind of in a rebuild um but it's not like they still have talent they're just trying to structure their books now in a way that they can kind of create the future saints roster um but they've got a competent enough quarterback Jameis winston's not the worst he's obviously a bridge he's not the guy that you want to build your franchise around but he's he's good enough he's not terrible yeah i mean i feel like they know they're not winning this year but they're they've got to get younger so they're going to load up on some young talent they'll figure out their quarterback situation yeah stefan diggs signed a four-year 106 million dollar extension with the buffalo bills um it also opened up six million in cap space for the 2022 season um not it's really not super surprising considering the wide receiver market has changed so much this offseason um basically everybody was getting paid (laughs) and so i guess Diggs decided it was his turn as well i think he had two years left on his deal before this extension um but this pretty much signals that they're keeping him in buffalo for the rest of his career it's i guess a vote of confidence for josh allen that um they're gonna keep weapons around him and um just kind of loading up and trying to run it back again year after year yeah, Diggs is elite. Josh Allen's elite. They got a great connection. Keep it rolling. Brandon Cooks signed a two-year, $39.5 million extension as well. I think a very similar thing to the Diggs deal. Um, he wanted to get paid. There was rumors that he was going to get traded. Um, but, you know, Brandon Cooks is a very competent, very good receiver. He's Houston's best offensive weapon. Um, and I think it was just a vote of confidence that, you know, he's a good player. They were going to take care of him. Nothing too crazy there. Um, do you think that it is even really noteworthy other than he's not going to get traded to the Packers? Yeah, other than that, no. His fantasy relevance stays about the same as it was. I'm honestly upset about it for fantasy because like, I was hoping he'd go get a real quarterback and be back in. You know, He's a really good wide receiver. Yeah. If he went to Green Bay, I mean, I'm thinking he's going to be a fringe wide receiver one. Um, he's been a wide receiver too his whole career, you know, so I would have loved it for him to get an uptick in quarterback play, but 
you know, he's still a fringe, not even fringe. He's probably still still a top 24 wide receiver. You just kind of lock him in as a back end wide receiver too. He's not flashy, but he produces year after year. He's going to get targeted. I don't know. There's not nothing too flashy about it. Like he's just, you lock him in as your, your flex play week after week. You're not really going to be mad about it. No. He's going to have those spike weeks where he snags the touchdown. Debo scrubbed his social medias of all of pictures of the 49ers, basically pulled a Kyler Murray. Um, is it like, so I know you love Debo. Do you hold it against him that he kind of pulled basically the Kyler Murray move? Or is this just kind of what you've got to do in order to get paid in the NFL? I mean, I think it's a little bit annoying. You just, you're a grown man. Don't stop acting childish. Yeah. But I also understand where Debo's coming from. I heard from somewhere that he wanted, like, uh, just because of the way he's used he wants to be, like, the highest paid, I guess, like, non-quarterback just because of the way he gets used in the running game, the receiving game, and screens, all that kind of stuff. Right. Which is fair. You know, he's valuable. He's incredibly valuable. That's not to, you know, take anything away from him. The knock against him, though, is that he's always injured, um, except for this past season. Um, he's 26 years old. Um, he's had one, I guess, good season. He had his rookie year. He had 800 yards and three touchdowns. Um, but he's just, you know, he played 15 games his rookie year, but obviously it was, he was a rookie. He played seven games in 2020, and he was finally healthy for 2016. But he's also hurt in college. He was hurt in high school. Um, I think you just have to see more. Given his injury history, I'd want to get paid if I were Debo too. I, exactly. Before, like, before I get something it from happens. his point of view. Yeah, I totally get that he wants security. He wants to be taken care of. But also if I'm the team, and you know, the 49ers love him, like, He's their guy. But also the way they use him, I feel like they're going to run him into the ground sooner rather than later. Yeah. And that's like, that's prescriptive of the Shanahan way. Like you use guys and churn them up and, you know, move on. They get chewed up and spit out, sort of. So we'll hop into our top 12 dynasty quarterbacks. Uh, you, <laughs> you posted something really funny on our Instagram. Um, so PFF. Their their fantasy team over there, you know, they they put in work, but they put out some very interesting takes. I think that's fair to say. Um, and I think they put out their top five dynasty quarterbacks. Is that right? Yeah, and number one was not our number one. No, and everyone else is number one. Close. Yeah, uh, I guess shout out to PFF for shaking things up consistently and. If nothing else, they get they always get com- they always get conversation started because I send them to you almost without fail. I might like, look at this garbage. <laughs> they did it. <laughs> look, they did it again. They, they did it again. They send some wild stuff. Anyway, so our top twelve, uh, we'll just kick things off. I don't think this is a surprise. Our number one. I don't think it should be a surprise. There should not be another number one. Um, but our number one is Josh Allen. Unquestioned number one. Yeah, I don't think it's a crazy thing to say. He he offers you the best of both worlds. He offers you elite passing volume and elite, well, maybe not elite, but like very solid rushing floor. Um, I think he's like 44 yards a game rushing. 
he's been the number one fantasy quarterback for the past two years for a reason. Yeah. Let's see. Last year, last year he had 438 points, which was his best season so far. But I mean, last actually no. Last year, 2020, he had 432 points. This year, in 17 games, he had 138 points. So, per game, he was better last year. But, I mean, still, there's not a whole lot to say. Josh Allen's elite. He could consistently go out there and get you 4,500 passing yards and 700 rushing yards every year. Yeah. His past two seasons, he's been the quarterback one. Um, 2020, he had 4,500 yards, 37 touchdowns, passing, 10 picks. He had 400 yards rushing and eight touchdowns. Um, And then this past season, he had 4,400 yards passing, 36 touchdowns, 15 picks. It's a little bit much, but he offset that with 760 yards rushing and another six touchdowns. So his weekly floor is incredibly safe. He will not bust probably hardly ever. I don't know if I don't, if I'm looking at his game logs, he had maybe two games in 2021 that I wasn't stoked about. He had one single-digit game. He had one single-digit game. Nine and a half yeah, against a, Jacksonville. A fluke week against Jacksonville. And then he had 12.7 in that snow game against New England, which you can't really hold against him. So he basically had one bust. There was like, I mean, there was like 60-mile-an-hour wins in that game. <laughs> for, for reference, Mac Jones threw three passes that game. <laughs> he did. <laughs> So, yeah, Josh Allen, no surprises there. I don't think there's really anything crazy about that. Um, Number two, this might be where you get a little bit of pushback. We have Justin Herbert. Tell me, Ben, why. Love Justin Herbert, first of all. Look, Justin Herbert might be my second favorite player behind Josh Allen. I mean, he's extremely young. He's He just turned 24 years old. He he. If you look at, like, physically, he is Josh Allen. Same skill set, yeah. same. If he ran the ball more, he would be Josh Allen. Like he's probably just as fast as he is. He's got good weapons. I honestly think he could use another to really take that team yes. over the top. But I mean, he's gonna he's gonna be the next highest paid quarterback in the league. Yeah, for sure. Um, his past two seasons, it was his rookie year was just sensational. Um, Forty three hundred yards, thirty one touchdowns, ten picks. 230 rushing and five more touchdowns. Good for the QB9. Um, then this past year was even the better. QB2. Even better. 5,000 yards, 38 touchdowns. 15 picks, still a bit too high for me, but it doesn't matter. Um, and 300 yards rushing and another three touchdowns. Um, one thing that I found very interesting, and you brought this up to me when I was pushing for Patrick Mahomes over Justin Herbert, the thing that I said kind of offhand was that Mahomes had a better rushing floor than Justin Herbert, which turns out is not true at all. I mean, their rushing stats are were like identical last year pretty much. Mahomes had 381 yards and two touchdowns. Herbert had 302 yards and three touchdowns. So, Yeah, so it's pretty much the same. The only difference here, and this is where this could potentially change, is you're basically grading these guys on their weapons. And I think if Tyreek Hill were still in Kansas City, you would say Patrick Mahomes is pretty much a safe pick at two. Since yeah. he's gone, you can downgrade him to three, and it's not it's not like a significant difference between the two. They're pretty much identical. Um, I've seen some stories 
go out where Kansas City is projected to trade up in this year's draft for one of the elite wide receiver prospects, maybe Garrett Wilson, maybe Drake London. If they do that, I would probably want Patrick Mahomes as my second dynasty QB off the board. But um, if things stay the same as they are right now, I'm probably good to lean with Justin Herbert. Um, and he's going to be at a lower ADP. But I've also seen a lot of mocks where the they have the Chargers going and getting a wide receiver. And I think they could use another weapon too, just because Keenan Allen's getting older. Eckler is old for a running back like we talked about. Yeah. And Mike Williams is actually older too. I think he's like 27 years old. Yep. So they they definitely, I think, need a, a young guy to pair with Herbert. But, I mean, it's not a ton to talk about between the two. There's not. Um, there's not much of a difference. You and know. surprise, surprise, Patrick Mahomes is quarterback three on our list. Right. Uh, again, like these two could, you could, it's basically splitting hairs between Herbert yeah. Mahomes. I think Josh Allen is a good like step in front of him. Not very, not not a drastic not difference. A, not a ton, but his rushing ability is a fair amount. His rushing prowess is a fair amount higher than Herbert yeah. and Mahomes are. And that's, that's basically the him. only difference. He has a a little bit of a safer rushing floor than the other two, um, but overall, not a big difference. In fact, if I were to pull up the uh, the points per game averages between the three, I want to say. There was only about a two-point-per-game difference or maybe a one-and-a-half-point-per-game difference between Allen and Herbert and Allen and Mahomes. And Herbert and Mahomes were very, very similar this past year. Um, Allen scored 432 points. Herbert scored 418 points. Mahomes scored 398 points. Yeah. So that is very, very remarkably close. close. Remarkably close. Um, so, yeah, Mahomes at three. Number four, we've got Kyler Murray, who could, and again, these top four, depending on situations, really could be interchangeable, I think, for fantasy. But we've got most, Murray A lot at of four. them, they're kind of like, just just pick the guy you like the most. Pretty much. Um, and the thing with Murray is he tends to kind of fade at the end of seasons, which that's happened each of the past he's two gotten years. Banged up a, he's gotten banged up a pretty good bit. Yeah. Which um, is a concern for him given his size. Yeah. And his weapons, I think, are not as good as each of the other three quarterbacks. He's got good weapons. He's he struggled too because uh yeah, last year DeAndre Hopkins got hurt, so that hurt him a lot. Yep. Um and then obviously he got hurt. The difference so. between Kyler Murray with DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray without DeAndre Hopkins was good for eight fantasy points a game. That, I think, is the question mark with Kyler Murray. That, you know, maybe if all of his guys are there healthy, Hopkins is healthy, you know, you could be splitting hairs on weapons and, like, you know, how much is he going to score? Like, it it could be that you trot out Murray, Mahomes, Herbert, and Allen, and they're all equals. But if Hopkins gets hurt or Zach Ertz gets hurt, Murray's weapons outside of his top guys are not nearly as good, I think, yeah. as what Kansas City's got, what the Chargers have, and what Josh Allen's got in Buffalo. And Kyler, this is, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I have a ton of stats to prove, but I feel like Kyler 
as good as he is, doesn't necessarily elevate the guys around him like the other three guys do. Like Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Josh Allen, if all their weapons got hurt, obviously wouldn't be as good, but I still feel like they could put the team on their back and just carry them. Yeah. Kyler, I don't see him doing that. The thing with Kyler, though, is that, and this is strictly fantasy football, in real life, Kyler Murray, I think would you would have him further down the list. Oh, much but, further down the list. Much further down. But the reason why he's so high in fantasy is his rushing floor, which is probably one of the best rushing floors in fantasy football. He probably has a higher rushing passing combo than Josh Allen does if he stays healthy. He does. So in 2020... um, Which is why all these guys are interchangeable. Like, There's more question marks with Kyler, but he definitely has the highest ceiling of everybody else. Right. So in 2020, Kyler Murray was the quarterback one through 16 weeks. And um, he was dominating. He was absolutely crushing. And then Josh Allen stole that spot in week 17. Um, and also he was jumped again. I can't remember who finished quarterback two um, in 2020, but he, Kyler ended up finishing third because he tailed off towards the end of the year. But his stats were absurd. He had 3,900 yards, 26 touchdowns, 12 picks. He also had 819 yards rushing and 11 touchdowns which is essentially second to Lamar in rushing volume, but he's a much better passer than Lamar is. Um, Yeah. So Kyler Murray can be a quarterback one, and nobody's really that surprised. The issue with Kyler is that he tails off towards the end of the year. He's smaller. He's 5'10", 207. So, you know, because he's a running quarterback, because he's a smaller guy, you can project injury or you could – you can't necessarily project injuries, but you would not be surprised if he were to get hurt rather than, you know, Josh Allen, who's like 6'5", 240, Justin Herbert, 6'5", 240, um, Patrick Mahomes, these who's 6'2", 225. Yeah, these big dudes. giant man. And then Murray is 5'10", 207. So he's significantly smaller. There's a little bit more risk involved with Kyler Murray than the other three, I think. But the reward is so much better. Exactly. And I think you, when people are drafting in redraft and, and dynasty, you will easily be able to get him fourth, sometimes fifth, of all Honestly, these guys taken. you could. Because our guy at number five has rocketed up boards. For good that reason. Is for good reason. And that's Mr. Joe Burrow. Joe Cool. The baddest man on this whole list. <laughs> Here's the thing with Joe Burrow. Um, I was going back and forth with somebody on Instagram about Mr. Joe Burrow. Um, he is elite as a real life NFL QB. He checks all the boxes. He is everything you want in your starting quarterback. He's the, calm. He's collected. He's yes. Good under pressure. The thing with fantasy though is that while he can have boom weeks that will win you your matchup, for example, week 16 against Baltimore, he had 42 points. Week 17 against Kansas City, he had 38 points. Those are week-winning uh, weeks. In our Superflex League, he won me that league. He did. He, the the Cincinnati Bengals offense won you a championship, basically. I had, I had T. Higgins, Joe Burrow, and Jamar Chase all stacked, and I think they combined for like 170 points or something ridiculous like that. It was absurd. Um, 
The issue, though, is week two against Chicago, he had 12.2. Week nine against Cleveland, he had 7.3. Week 11 versus Vegas, he had 10. Yeah. Um, Week 15 against Denver, he had 13.7. So while Joe Burrow can absolutely win you a week, no question about it, he doesn't have the rushing floor to save bad passing outings. If he has a bad week in real life, it translates to fantasy. I think his rushing floor will improve because he was obviously, he struggled with the need to start. He got a little bit healthier. And I think he was a little, you could tell he wasn't right at the end of the year either. Like in the Super Bowl, you could tell he was hobbled by it. So his rushing floor will improve because he's a a very good runner when you watch him. Yes. But he's just, but he's never going to be elite at it, obviously. Yeah. To back that up, his rookie year had, he had 142 yards rushing in 10 games and three touchdowns. And in 16 games this past year, he had 118 yards and two touchdowns. So you could see his rushing floor dipped. And I think it's very fair to attribute that to the knee injury. Um, The first half of this past year, he was not running. He was timid in the pocket. Um, He was just trying to get his sea legs back under him a little bit. So I do think you can expect a bit of a safer floor rushing-wise going forward. But that floor might only be 200 yards. Um and yeah. maybe that's enough in a week to save a bad outing. Um, but he will have games where it's a rushing game script. Um, and there's just not a need for him to throw the ball a ton. Um, no. And he's a bit of a gunslinger. Like, he will throw picks occasionally. In that Cleveland game, he had 280 yards, but he had no touchdowns and two picks. Um, and without an elite he rushing floor. guys. He'll throw it up to him. Sometimes yeah. you get burned that way. Sometimes you get burned that way. And without his rushing floor to kind of salvage the week from a fantasy perspective, um, he might burn you a bit. But that said, he's an elite passer. He's basically Tom Brady where... I think he's got... Uh, the reason One of the reasons we have him so high is just because he's going to be... I think his longevity is way better than a lot of these running guys. He's, mm. I could see him playing for 15 years. Yeah. At this same level. You can definitely see that happening just because he's more of a prototypical passer. Um, you know, and certainly. Also, go ahead. Certainly, I would think I would rather have. Let's put it this way: I think Kyler Murray and Joe Burrow. If you're, you know, projecting out their careers, I think you could be pretty safe to project Joe Burrow would have a longer career than Kyler Murray. However, when you're playing fantasy, as as much as you want to like when you're building a dynasty team, be like, okay, well, I want to have these guys on my team for X amount of years. You can't really play that way. You have to play for like the next two to three years. Right. Number six. So Kyler, yeah. Oh, I was going to say also, Joe Dalso has easily the best weapons of anyone on this list. Like, it's not close. He does. He's got Jamar Chase, a top five wide receiver. He's got T. Higgins, who's at least in fantasy perspectives, a top 15 wide receiver. Um, Probably they top signed 10 for Dynasty. Prob- potentially. I think we did put him at 10 in our Dynasty rankings. Um, they also picked up Hayden Hurst in free agency. Um, he's no slouch. Tyler he's Boyd, no slouch. great in the slot. Right. He's got a top also five got running Joe back Mixon. in Joe Mixon. Yep. And, and the offensive line improved. Improved a bunch. Um, Lyle Collins is an elite offensive lineman. Um, and then they signed Connor Williams and Alex Kappa, 
who are both very competent offensive linemen, and I would imagine they might even draft one too. So I mean, he had a he had a great year, and the whole the whole Bengals did, and that's what's so scary is that they can they can improve from here. This was not their they didn't hit their ceiling this year. Right. Number six, we have Deshaun Watson, um, and I do believe that this ranking could be changed this time next year. Um, I think you can easily make an argument for Deshaun over Joe Burrow. Um, But because it's a new situation um, and a lot of his legal troubles kind of factored in here. It's not behind him yet. Right. There's still more question marks with Deshaun Watson than there are with Joe Burrow. Um, For sure. And that I think said, the weapons are involved too because I think they need a at least one more wide receiver. Yes, and Mark I think they'll Cooper get one. Has been banged up a lot, but I think he's got the best offensive line of anybody on here thus far. Probably he's got the best running game of anybody on here thus far. Um, you can see that as a positive and a negative. Yes. So, in this past three seasons as a starter, where he played, you know, basically all the games. He's been a top five fantasy QB each year. He's been five, five, five. Um, he has a rushing floor that is very safe. He doesn't really bust. Um, but he also, you know, this for me, this 2020 season in Houston on a four and 12 team really solidified in my mind that Deshaun Watson's a top five fantasy and real life QB. Um, yeah, he threw 4,800 yards, 33 touchdowns, only seven picks on an awful team, like a terrible team. Um, it didn't translate to wins and losses, which you could, you know, argue that that knocks him a bit, but his stats were absurd. I mean, just absurd. His QB rating was top two in the league. Um, he had the most yards in the league that year. Um, what was was his completion percentage? I'm pretty sure it was like crazy high too. I need to look that up, but it was, I think, very high. The um, so Watson seventy percent. It was something like that. So Watson's very safe, I think, for fantasy. And if he plays a full season, you should expect top five fantasy quarterback. As Um, much as I, I can if it if you couldn't tell through our last segment, I love Joe Burrow. As much as I love Joe Burrow, if I you guaranteed me that Watson. His legal situation was over, and you know he's good to go. I would probably put him over Joe Burrow. Yeah. The reason I think you would put Burrow above him is just some of the question marks, and the fact for twenty twenty two. I know, yes. and like you can't count injuries, but I know Joe Burrow is going to play a full season barring injury. I don't know when Deshaun Watson is going to get on the field this year. Right. You would think it's probably a six-ish game suspension, but nobody really knows for sure. Um, and, and if, if it's it is a six-ish six, game suspension, that's Joe half Burrow, your fantasy wise is gonna be better. Yeah, for sure. Um, but in a you know, he might miss half the fantasy season, which really sucks on your fantasy team if you're drafting Deshaun Watson. Um, probably in about the sixth or seventh round, I think is where he's going in a lot of dynasty startups right now. Um, which is a steal in the grand scheme of oh, things. If but he's got sixes, I've seen him go in like second. Really? I've I've seen yeah. a few where he goes in like the seventh round just because I think people are scared of him. 
Um, but it, I mean, it could fluctuate because he's one of those wild cards that nobody really knows exactly what to do with him. Yeah. Uh, number seven, we've got Lamar Jackson. I could see an argument for Lamar being higher on this list too. Absolutely. Because he I has think he's finished. the youngest guy, isn't he? No, Herbert's uh, probably younger than him. Herbert is younger, yeah. Lamar's 25. Okay. So but Lamar's Lamar, still the best runner on this list. Absolutely. He has finished as the overall QB1. Um, but he also is not, I guess, as safe as you would want him to be with his rushing floor, which is elite. Um, but he's not quite as safe, I think, as you would want. Something this past year that was like super frustrating with Lamar Jackson is he would he would run he would get like sixty yards on a drive and then he would just hand the ball off to Devonta Freeman and Devonta Freeman would get the touchdown at the goal line. Right. So Lamar's ceiling like could be so much higher if he would just be selfish sometimes. <laughs> right. Just take the ball, dude. Just do it <laughs> yourself. He did have two rushing touchdowns, which is like, you know, that's not as much as you would want. That's um, not what had... you draft Lamar Jackson for. No, he had seven each of the past two years uh, prior to that, 2020 and 2019. He also had 1,000 yards each of the years prior. But he, he was on pace for 1,000 yards rushing again last year. He just got hurt. Yeah, the injury slowed him down. Yeah. Um, the thing, though, and this probably you can chalk up to, um, you know, the lack of weapons. Like, they had cluster injuries last year. Um, all his running backs got hurt. Um, their defense was decimated so that, you know, he was having to throw to keep them in games. Um, and you and saw that, like, he was pressing. That's not how he plays. That is absolutely not how he plays. He plays kind of in an on-schedule offense, and last year, most of the time, they were not on schedule. Lamar was having to manufacture things for them, and he was pressing. And that translated into 16 touchdowns in 12 games and 13 interceptions, which will crush yeah. a guy who... Like, you just can't have negatives passing um, to kind of negate some of that stuff that he does rushing. He had multiple uh, multi-interception games. He had, let's see here, one, two, three. He had four games with two-plus interceptions. Um, and then there was that one game in Week 12 against Cleveland um, when he had 165 yards passing, a touchdown, and four picks which negated a very safe 68 yards rushing. Like, that elevates a floor, but when you only get, you know, four points from your points. passing stats, yeah, like, that's not that's not a recipe for success. Even before, like, he lost all his weapons, too, there's always been questions around his arm, which is, like, that's why he's so low, is he, you got to prove it to me. A little like, bit. Like, I know his fantasy ceiling, most of these guys' fantasy ceiling is like, it's all going to be better than Joe Burrow. But I know I can count on Joe Burrow simply because, like, the passing, you know, that's just more dependable. Yeah. I know his longevity, he's going to stay a solid asset because he's always going to be good. Lamar, if the rushing's not there, you know, I'd see what happens. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, number eight, we've got Russell Wilson. Russ. Um, Russ. Yeah, the thing I'm very with Russ, happy for Russ. I'm very happy for us. He got out of Pete Carroll. <laughs> you know, like that's not good for any quarterback to be in an offense where the, the head coach just wants to run the ball and play defense. That's not great. Um, but Russell Wilson, obviously, has been around forever. He's been a fan, basically an elite fantasy asset forever. 
Um, his quarterback, he's been changing. A, I, I don't either. He's been a top 10 quarterback, let's see, since 2013. Uh, the only reason he wasn't this past year was because of his injury, but he's been a top 10 fantasy quarterback essentially for nine, eight, nine straight years. Since 2013. You could it was, say his whole career. He finished number his first year starting in 2012. He was QB 11 on the year. His worst finish was this year at QB 16, and he missed – how many games did he miss? He only ended up playing 14 games. Um, yeah, and he missed three games. Several of those were games in which he should not have really been playing, let's be honest. Um, yeah. I think probably the first two especially, coming back from injury, he played Green Bay in Week 10 where he was 20 of 40 for 160 yards and two picks. He looked bad. Um, he was not ready to play. Um, and I think he was kind of I feel like mentally he back. probably wasn't there too, just because they were kind of already out of playoff contention. The yeah. season was essentially over. Then uh, so. week 11 versus Arizona, he was 14 of 26 for 200 yards, no touchdowns. Like, he just didn't look right. But towards the end of the year, he started to figure it out. His last three weeks, he had 18, 31, and 27 fantasy points. Granted, Chicago, Detroit, Arizona. Um, they were He was not playing elite defenses by any stretch. Um, but in those last three games, he threw, let's see here, nine touchdowns and one pick. That's the Russell Wilson that you expect to see. And I think now that he's in Denver, he may not have the maybe elite tier weapons he had with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but he's got depth with his weapons that he never had in Seattle. He's got a it's very not a, decent it's not a offensive huge line. step down, I don't think. I it honestly you could make an argument it's a basically a lateral move weapons wise. But he has a better offensive line. He's got I mean he's looking at Judy. I mean this is great great news for Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Absolutely. We disagree on which of those we prefer between the two of us, but not a huge deal. And he's got better running game than he had in Seattle. Javante Williams is primed to explode now with Russ in town. Yep. And he's got a great defense. He's got he a top had five for a defense. Years in Seattle. Yeah, that, that defense is terrifying. I mean, they've got, they were top five last year, um, and their offense stunk. But they have they Pat Sertan. Miller for most of it. Right. They've got Pat Sertan, which is an elite corner. At least he looks that way thus far. Bradley Chubb is a great pass rusher. But then they Justin also Simmons added... Is great at safety. Exactly. And they added DJ Jones. Um, and Randy and Gregory. And Randy Gregory. So, like, they got better basically in every way. The only thing they lost in the trade for Russ was, you know, picks, which... They're not contributing on their offense currently. And Noah Fant. And Noah Fant. Right. I've been a big fan, fan of Noah Fant ever since he was drafted. I hate to see that for him. It pretty much sucks for Noah Fant. But uh, I think that they liked Albert O over Fant, or at least you know, on a similar level to Fant They like anyway. him enough to where they're willing to get rid of Fant. Exactly. So I think you can project Russell Wilson to be, you know, we have him at eight, but Honestly, these top eight guys, depending on how things shake out, like nobody would be surprised if Russell Wilson finishes at like quarterback four or something. After after Kyler, I think I you could you could make an argument to take either of these guys, either of these next four for the next three or so year, three or four years. Yeah. And I think Russell Wilson with his 
Like he's 33, um, which I think in the modern era of quarterbacking, like he's he's going to keep playing until he's probably 39, 40 years old. And he he doesn't run a ton, although he offers a safe rushing floor. Um, he didn't very much in 2021, but you know if you look 2017 on, it, and even like, I mean he just he gives you f- basically 400 yards and a couple of touchdowns rushing every year, which is good enough to be a very safe rushing floor. And he's an elite passer, um, so he I mean he's he's faded a little bit down the stretch of I mean, some years, but overall I mean he's you're you're totally fine taking Russell Wilson. Yep, and you can probably. I mean, I don't think redraft or dynasty his his ADP really changes. So I mean, right. he's right where he used to be. So you can always get him at a fairly decent value. Yeah, he should probably still be a third, maybe fourth round pick, depending on how things shake out in a super flex draft. Um, which is great. Like you could go running back heavy, or you could take a running back and wide receiver and still end up with Russell Wilson in the third. And he's a I mean, perfectly fine QB one. If you can get one of the other guys, you know. I'd be happy if I got an early first round pick. You know, you get Kyler Murray at the 104 and you can get Russ near the back half of the second, like you're set. Yeah. You're you're very good at quarterback going forward for the next, you know, three, four years in a in a dynasty league. Number nine, we have Dak Prescott. Um, and I think Dak is the more interesting players on the list. Definitely interesting. I think Dak is probably the first guy on this list that I'm not stoked, I guess, to have as my quarterback one. Um, like he is, but I just, eh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I. <sighs> Dak Prescott is very infuriating from a fantasy perspective and also from a real life perspective. Um, he is good enough to where he gets drafted high, he produces fantasy points, um, but he's not elite. You know, he doesn't just go win you a week, per se. Um, you know, he had a couple weeks above 30 points. He had, well, He's always I think, been good. Yeah, he's always been good, but he's never been amazing, and he's not been terrible either. He was QB2 in 2019. Well, there you go. That was, uh, he had 4,900 yards, 30 touchdowns that year. Um, he had 4,537 this past year and he's got a good enough rushing floor to where, you know, he'll run a little bit and it will kind of give you a safe floor. Um, but he gets most of his, most of his points passing, um, and they lost weapons. I see what you're like. I don't understand. I don't know how to exactly to say it because he's always been good. Like he's QB 7, 10, 14, QB 2 in 2019, 33, in 2020, but that's broke. when he got hurt really early. Yeah. And then QB8 last year. Like, so, like, he's always good. Yes. But there's just something about him, like, I'm not ecstatic if I drafted Dak Prescott. No. <laughs> even, I, at a, even at a value. Honestly, like, he's 28 years old, so he's no longer one of the, I guess, young up-and-coming guys that I'm really stoked to get as my QB2 and a super flex. Um, and he's... You know, if you're in a, let's say you're in a 12-teamer, one quarterback league, I don't really want Dak Prescott as my quarterback because he probably, like we have him at nine, and he probably is about that eight to 10 range finish. I think that's probably a safe barometer for where he would finish year in and year out. And I don't really want 
the quarterback eight if I'm in a one QB league. Like I want a top guy um, just to kind of keep up with the Joneses a little bit. Um, and Dak Prescott just doesn't quite, you know, give you that oomph. Yeah, he doesn't quite. He just doesn't quite do it for me. He's he's very good. However, but he's not amazing. I will say if you if you're in a one quarterback league and you do get him at a value like that, like one quarterback that the quarterback's not valuable enough to where where you have Dak Prescott, you're fine. Yeah, yeah, you're okay. But again, it's just you're fine. You know, he's gonna have those spike weeks where he wins you weeks and and. He's going to have weeks like he did against the Chargers where he scored seven points. He also had a week last year against the, let's see here, against the Chiefs when he had two. That hurts. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I don't. He was very, very up and down. A little bit, but he also has weeks. His weapons decrease, or or not decrease, but they 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 lost Amari Cooper. Uh, Who else did they lose? Was it just Amari Cooper? They lost Cedric Wilson and lost Cedric Wilson. They lost Lyle Collins. They lost Connor Williams. So his offensive line gets worse and Zeke his receiving weapons older, get he's worse. He's slowing down. Yeah. So I and I don't really and maybe this is obvious. CD could not, take a step this year, so he's still got an elite one, more than likely. Yeah. I don't think I'm very inspired by Kellen Moore's play calling. I feel like that offense should have been better than it was in big games. Like, when yeah. they needed to have it, they just didn't give it to you. He racks up a ton of stats against crappy teams, but in those games that you have to have, he's fine. You know, nothing I see, nothing amazing. I see a lot of mocks of Dallas going to get a receiver here and there. Maybe, I don't know if they trade up to get one, but if one falls to them in the first, they'll take it. Maybe take a guy in the second. How do you think, like, that really it changes him in your mind if they go get another guy? Probably not a ton because I think he had the best weapons in the league this past year and he was the quarterback eight. Fair enough. Number nine, or actually number 10, sorry. We've got Matthew Stafford. Um, and, you know, this is elite passing production that really props him up. Matthew Stafford is here because of Cooper Cup. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, when you throw 4,800 yards and 41 touchdowns, I mean, that is... And, like, I don't see a... a, a a possibility that that really has a huge downgrade going forward. Like, I don't Stafford think he's going to have a regression. Older, he is an older Joe Burrow. Pretty much. Um, he's basically a younger Tom Brady and older Joe Burrow. Like, he's going to throw a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, and that's good enough. Yeah. Like, there's there's the two kind of archetypes for a quarterback that you want in fantasy. You want the quarterback who will throw for near 5,000 yards and like 35 to 40 touchdowns. Or you get the quarterback that can run and give you a rushing floor and then, you know, might give you like 3,500 and 25 to 30 touchdowns. Um, and both of those are fine. It's just personal preference. And, you know, Stafford, I think he's going to be very safe. He lost Robert Woods, but he got Allen Robinson. So basically a lateral move there. Cooper Cup still elite. Cam Akers in the running game should be improved. So situation is kind of the same as it was last year so draft pretty the same much. way you did last year yeah i think you can lock in pretty much the same thing you saw last year um the only difference is they lost andrew whitworth but they're you know the guys behind whitworth on that offensive line are not they're not bums like his offensive line will be a little bit worse but not significant 
to where it changes much of anything. Yeah. The last two guys on this list, I think, are pretty much personal preference. But these we have two of the more like. There's so much controversy about these two next guys. Absolutely. But we have Trey Lance and Jalen Hurts as our 11 and 12 quarterbacks, and you can basically coin flip whichever one you prefer because I think they're pretty much the same thing. Both, you can see where the the ceiling and potential is so high for both, but both of them also scare the crap out of me. Absolutely. Um, And it's really more of a real life scare the crap out of me than it is a fantasy scare the crap out of me. If if either of them start in fantasy, I 100% want them on my team. They're going to be fine. They're going to run for a ton. But I don't know how long or when they'll play. Exactly. So Jalen Hurts last year, and we experienced this full transparency in our uh, Superflex League. Um, There was a guy that was just running the league with uh, Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts as his quarterbacks and Jalen Hurts dominating was crushing. Like I think he was quarterback three before his injury because it didn't matter how good of a passer he was in real life. And he was not great. Jalen Hurts just shows you how much running is important for a quarterback. He never really like blew the top off of the game. I think he only had one or two games where he scored 30 points, but he was just so safe every week. So safe. He had three 30-point weeks last year, but here's a microcosm of Jalen Hurts as a fantasy quarterback. In week 11 versus New Orleans, he threw for 147 yards and no touchdowns, which is basically bad news bears, Um, except he ran for 70 yards and three touchdowns. And that is like just his rushing production alone is good enough by itself. And then you just add in passing production kind of as like the cherry on top. Um, He's in a run centric offense and his rushing floor salvages anything bad that happens passing. And you have to think that he probably gets a little bit better as a passer if for no other reason than you know, more time developing as a prospect, as a quarterback. And I would think that they add another wide receiver. Yeah, he's got Devontae Smith, who's a great route runner. Dallas Goddard is a very good tight end. We'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, His offensive line is good. He's got great running backs. Like, he's got enough that if he He were to stop killing Miles Sanders. (laughs) Pretty much. Just, like, develop a little bit, and he'd be great. The problem is we don't know how long his job is secure in Philly as their starter. Um, We kind of talked about this earlier in the show where the Eagles are poised to, if Jalen Hurts takes a step forward, they're poised to have, like put weapons around him and he can succeed and do very, very well. But if he doesn't take a step forward, they are primed to move on from him. Exactly. And uh, so you could be, you could be looking at a great fantasy quarterback for the next few years, or he could be worthless next season. Pretty much. And that's like the tough part of this. Like, do you want to chase the elite, you know, potential of a guy like Jalen Hurts? Or do you want to trade him while his value is still good and try and get a guy that you know is going to be a safe quarterback going forward? Like, would you trade Jalen Hurts for Tua Tagovailoa plus? I mean, I think I would. Because just because it's a safe down tier and if you can get better at another position... Do it. Yeah. So it's kind of the same thing with Trey Lance, um, but like in a different way because they traded a bunch of draft picks to go take him at uh, 
was it number three in the draft last year? Yeah. Um, like we talked about earlier, the guy who traded in our league who traded Jalen Hurts straight up for Trey Lance, just because I don't know when tra- how long Jalen Hurts will have a job. Trey Lance, if he ever starts, should have a job for a few years just because the 49ers invested so much into getting him. Right. The issue, though, is that Jimmy Are Garoppolo is still... Him? Right. Nobody knows if they're ever going to start him. Is you know Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the roster. Um, he hasn't been able to get out of San Francisco. And that just... I don't, it just makes you feel uneasy about Trey Lance as a starter. I because they trust Trey Lance. I don't think they do either. They were more than willing to stick with Jimmy G all of last year. Um, Trey Lance just played when Jimmy G got hurt. And he played fine for fantasy. I mean, he was very decent. He had 21 points in Week 17 against Houston. In his other start against Arizona, he had 14 and a half. Um, but in those games, he had 89 yards rushing against Arizona and 31 against Houston. Um, like, he offers you an elite rushing floor in a good offense. Um, and the passing, it will develop. Um, he's a raw prospect coming in. So even if he is Jalen Hurts, yeah, even if he's Jalen Hurts, where he's not a very good passer but an elite runner, he's fine for fantasy. So, pretty much just a matter of those are the two of the most interesting to watch. Yes, Uh, a couple this year. I probably prefer Jalen Hurts. I think I would too. Just and I've traded Trey Lance. He's going to be a starting this year. Yeah, I've traded Trey Lance. You got Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I did. <laughs> it was you had to do it. It was a big um, trade. It was a big trade. Other guys to kind of think about are Derek Carr, who just basically got the best receiver in football added to a decent offense. Um, like he was, Derek Carr was already just solid. Yep. Not knock your socks off or anything, but he's just he's just solid. Very and solid. He just got an elite weapon. But. The thing with Derek Carr is he had only crossed, uh, what was it, 30 passing touchdowns once in his career. If they all stay healthy this year, he'll he'll do it. I think that that's probably a safe bet, honestly. Yeah. Uh, another guy to kind of keep your eyes on is Trevor Lawrence, the wonder kid who kind of stunk. <laughs> but, you know, is yeah, that Urban I mean, Meyer or is that him? I don't know. It's the same thing with Zach Wilson. They were top two picks. They're guaranteed probably three more years as a starter at least. So you have production guaranteed. May not be good production, but there's guaranteed production there. And both of those guys have a clear path where they can improve. Yeah. And Trevor Lawrence's weapons last year were dog crap bad. I mean, they didn't didn't make huge splashes. Paid Christian Kirk way too much money. Yep. He gets Travis Etienne. Loses James Robinson probably for a few weeks to start the year coming off that Achilles injury. Um, the offensive line got a bit better. Um, you know, marginally better they, at wide receiver. They improved not a ton, but probably enough to where Trevor, you could see start to see Trevor Lawrence take steps to progressing. Yeah. Kind of the same deal with Zach Wilson. You know, he looks like he's got a bright future if he can develop a little bit as a passer. And it looked like he was doing that down the stretch this time last, last season. season. Like I was super high on Zach Wilson. Yeah. And like he's got that elite ceiling. At least he looks that way. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's mobile. Um he makes those I'm not he not like 
he is Patrick Mahomes, but he just can make those off-platform, just throw it from a ridiculous angle kind of throws into yeah. a window. And he looked like he was starting to figure it out a little bit down the stretch. He only threw two interceptions from week 12 on, um, and that was the problem early. He was just throwing way too many interceptions. He was forcing things. Um, and the, the, the offense in New York is not amazing. Like, it's fine, I guess. Uh, nothing too crazy. He's got but Elijah Moore. There's a clear Moore. path where he can get better weapons, too. Absolutely. Um, like, I would not be shocked to see them draft a Drake London or a Garrett Wilson at that 10th pick. Yeah. And Joe Douglas, I really think, is a competent GM. I think he's going to put a good team around Zach Wilson. Um, so I would expect improvement, at least from a fantasy perspective. And probably the most polarizing quarterback to keep an eye on going forward is Tua. Um just because he gets a top three wide receiver, a game-breaking player in Tyreek Hill, two added to an offense that wasn't amazing last year, but they hired Mike McDaniel from San Francisco, who looks like a great offensive mind. Um, and he's got Jalen Waddell, who's an elite young wide receiver prospect. He's got Mike Jasicki. They added um, running back help. They look like they're improving the offensive line a bit. So basically they're gearing up and saying, you know, if this doesn't work, it's to his fault because he's got everything he needs to succeed as an NFL quarterback. If he's take, yeah. if he takes a step forward, that could translate for a fantasy. And I don't see, like even if when he does take a step forward, I don't see him jumping into the elite ranks of the quarterbacks, but I could definitely see him being an extremely safe weekly starter kind of guy. Absolutely. So jumping in, we've got our top eight because there's not 12 worth talking about tight ends. I feel like, tight ends I feel like this suck. probably would be pretty quick. Yeah. So we got Kyle Pitts at one. Um, shocking. Shocking. You know, elite prospect, uh, had 1,000 yards on a crap team. The he's, only problem with him right now is he's on a team that is in the middle of a rebuild. Absolutely. So his 2022 might not be great. But I think it's still might not be great. <laughs> maybe not. But, you know, if they draft, I don't, I've been saying this forever. If they draft Bryce Young, if they draft um, CJ Stroud in, in the 23 draft, he's got a quarterback prospect that you would think is your quarterback for multiple years. Um, and like he's, he's a tight end. So like you can stick around for the long haul with Kyle Pitts. He will be there for 10 years. Kyle or uh, Tight ends last forever. Um, and he's an elite freak athlete. He's terrifying. He's absolutely terrifying. Uh, number two, Mark Andrews. I have a question for you when we kind of finish talking about Mark Andrews. Yeah. Um, but Mark Andrews tied to a young quarterback, elite target share, elite production. He's basically the wide receiver one in Baltimore, has been for the yeah. past few years. Um, he's been a top five tight end in both standard. Well, he's been a top five tight end in standard. He finished tight end six in 2020 in PPR. Um, but he had an elite jump, I guess you would say, in targets from his. He basically jumped the tier. He went from a good tight end that you feel very solid about um, to like an elite game wrecking like wins you weeks 
kind of player when he His had end of season tear was just insane. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, he had 36 points in week five. He had a stretch from week 14 on where he scored 23, 30, 22, 12, and 12 at the tight end spot. That's yeah, so that like a week winning stretch. Or yeah. A league if winning you get, stretch. if you get 20 points from your tight end, like you should probably win unless the rest of your team stinks. Um, and if you've got him on a contending team, like he's fine. He's there for six more years as your tight end one. He's only 26 years old. Like he's great. Um, he's probably going to have a bit of a regression next year just because, uh, you know, Rashad Bateman was hurt for part of the year. They had to throw the ball more because of all the cluster injuries at running back. So, I, you know, I think his target share comes down a bit. He had 154 targets last year. I would project probably like 120, which is still fine. Like, that's great as a tight end. You should have a weekly, like, week winning upside with a little bit of a really safe floor. Um, if you're in a redraft league, I'm taking him tight end one. I, yeah, I mean, I think in re, well in redraft, I'm probably still taking Kelsey one just because um, of Tyreek leaving, but I, I wouldn't fault you taking Andrews at one. If you're depending, like I say, you're a competing team in Dynasty, yeah, and you have Kyle Pitts, would you trade Kyle Pitts for Mark Andrews? Is the value is the value on Kyle Pitts so high that it doesn't matter, or would you go for the immediate production? I do think Cause it kind of tight because he's going to be the tight end one for the next few years until Pitts can get some help. Yeah, I think it depends on like the rest of your roster. So let's say okay, so I've got Kyle Pitts in one in a dynasty league, a one quarterback league. And my roster is probably like the third best roster maybe in the league. I'm not trading Kyle Pitts for anything. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, That said, if I'm maybe like the second best roster, the first best roster, and it's kind of a splitting hairs between, you know, you and the second best roster in the league, I might make the move for Andrews just because Kyle Pitts may not reach that elite elite production for another year another two years until atlanta has some better weapons around him to kind of offset that focus that defenses will have on him and mark andrews i think will be a better fantasy tight end probably for another two years and then i think kyle pitts kind of runs things from then on um so i don't know i think it's a little bit of personal preference it's how badly do you want to push to win because kyle pitts is the pro, the the dynasty tight end one for the next probably eight to ten years, and Mark Andrews should still be very good for probably another five to six years. Um, it just kind of depends, you know, how badly do you really want to push for that championship? And you should be able to get something on top of Mark Andrews if you're trading Kyle Pitts. Like you could get Mark Andrews in a first, uh, sending off Kyle Pitts, and that would not be crazy. You could probably get a Mark Andrews and a first and a second rookie pick if you're trading away Kyle Pitts. That's fair. Uh, number three, we have Travis Kelsey, who's T. Kels. who's still probably going to be a top two 
<laughs> tight end in fantasy. At least I think next I had year. him lower in my head until Tyreek Hill left. Yeah. Now he's he's the number one wide receiver for that whole offense. Right. He's going to be getting, you know, 140 probably targets from Patrick Mahomes next year. I mean, he's he's essentially a wide receiver one in your tight end spot. He's older, but I'm not I'm not really that worried about it. No. At least let's put it this way. For the next two years, I think Kelsey is a top three tight end. I think in redraft, I probably still want him as my tight end one. In Dynasty, I'm probably trying to move him depending on my roster construction. If I'm a competing team, like it's really hard to want to move him. But if I can trade Kelsey for Mark Andrews and maybe add in a second round pick, honestly, even if it's a back end first, I'm probably willing to move Kelsey in a late first for Mark Andrews. I probably would do that just because I don't I am I don't think there's gonna be a huge difference between Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey. And Mark Andrews is what, six years younger? He is yeah, he's six years younger. Yeah. So not much change, I think, in a redraft. But if perspective. you're competing and you've got Travis Kelsey, ride it out. He's gonna be fine. Yeah. Number four, we have George Kittle. And I like if you have Kittle, are you trying to acquire one of those top three guys, or are you perfectly fine having George Kittle? I think I'm fine having Kittle. Yeah, I mean you have to kind of be prepared because he usually gets hurt at some <laughs> point. Yes, he's not played a full season since 2018. But I mean he's he's perennial top four tight end every year as long as he stays healthy. Shanahan loves getting in the ball. He schemes and touches. And, yeah, I think he could dip some if Trey Lance is a starter just because we don't know what Trey Lance is. Yeah. But. So the thing with Kittle is he has, for tight ends, an elite target share in that you can lock him in for, you know, his last full season he had 136 targets in 2018. He had 107 targets in 2019 in only 14 games. He had 95 targets in 14 games this past year. So if he played a full 16, which I don't know if you can really bet on that, but if he played a full 17 games, he's probably going to get you 125, 130 targets. And it really doesn't matter, you know, who his quarterback is if he gets that elite target share for a tight end because tight ends just don't get that kind of target share. Um, he doesn't score a ton of touchdowns as far as tight ends are concerned. But he should give you about a thousand yards and maybe four to seven touchdowns, and you know that's fine. Um, the only other question mark is injuries. Crazy. His spike weeks are nuts. That is true. I've seen him. He took out. He's take. He'll take people out in the playoffs. Yes, I've seen him single handedly win weeks. Yep, he had a two week stretch last year where he had thirty five and twenty seven points back to back. Um, I mean, yeah, he's terrifying to go up against just because you know like he could pop off and you know win he's you a week. He's the Tyree kill of he's the Tyree kill of tight ends. A little bit. He could you know? he could have that he could have that just down quiet. He only caught like three passes for like 25 yards. But then he could have that just stupid week where he had nine catches, 180 yards and three touchdowns. Pretty much. Yeah, I think that that is that is fair. Um the only question marks with him are injuries. He's 
you know, like we said, not played a full season in three years. Um, but he's really Lance, tough. And, and Trey Lance. Like, you don't know how much having a new quarterback translates to fantasy production. Um, generally speaking, rushing quarterbacks lower the fantasy value of everybody on the offense. We see sure. that with Jalen Hurts last year where, you know, Jalen Hurts is great, but nobody else is an elite fantasy option uh, just because he is that offense. And that may but happen with Trey Lance. Jalen Hurts didn't have a weapon like Kittle. He did not. So. Number know, five. We'll number five, TJ we've Hawkinson. got TJ Hawkinson. And I love think you and I, you and I both love TJ Hawkinson. I think he's like the next elite tight end in real life in the NFL. Um, yeah. The reason why he's not I mean, higher, they, though. They drafted him at pick eight. Yeah. And he's produced. Like, he has been a very good tight end in his, especially the past two years. Um, his rookie year, obviously, he's still figuring it out. But he was the tight end five in 2020. Uh, obviously, Matt Stafford was his quarterback, so that helps. Um, but last year, he was a very solid tight end until he got injured. And that's not to say he was winning you weeks, but he wasn't losing them for you either. No. Except He's for probably week the three. top target on his <laughs> offense. Yeah. And yeah, he, I think something that helped him is they signed DJ Chark. So, not really great for DJ Chark, but I don't really care that much about DJ Chark. No. I think it it pulls coverage off of Hawkinson, which is only a positive for him. Yeah. They he, have a lot of picks, so their team can clearly improve, which only helps Hawkinson. To put it in perspective, he averaged more targets per game than George Kittle did last year. Um, so, like, he's going to have a safe floor as far as tight ends go. Um, he's not in a great offense, but he's not in a bad one either. Um, and I think they're going to get better. Maybe, maybe bad offense is... They're not great. But they're not like horrific either, you know. Jared Cook is not terrible. Jared Goff, you mean? Jared, yes. <laughs> Jared Goff. Jared, Jared Cook, Cook is retired. <laughs> he's coming back to quarterback. Yeah. The uh, uh, the Lions. you know he's he's not bad. He'll dump it off to his guys, and I think Hawkinson at 24 years old, you can expect him to kind of take a leap. Um, you know he's very young. He's not Kyle Pitts, but he is... I could see him being a Mark Andrews, though. Absolutely. That was He's my... Got that potential. Like, that was my comp was, you know, that offense in Baltimore is not amazing, but Andrews gets an elite target share. If Hawkinson got that same kind of work, I think you could see him being a Mark Andrews. Easily. So, number six, we have Darren Waller, and... I think it's fair to say that he took a big step back now that uh, Devontae Adams has entered the fold in Las he Vegas. Is not the, he's not the big man on campus anymore. He is not. Um, so, you know, he's going to get a bit of a downgrade, but he was a very good tight end before Adams showed up. It's just a matter of how much does Adams suck away targets from Darren Waller. And it's also kind of... 
the tight end position is so scarce, even though he's going to take a step back with Devontae Adams there, he's still going to be very good for your fantasy team. Only other thing I think worth noting about Waller is he is 29. I don't know. Like, is he kind of at a point where you're willing to sell him? If you were to sell Darren Waller and tear up in tight end, let's say, you know, you were going to trade Waller plus something else to get George Kittle or Hawkinson. Um, if you're trying to get Hawkinson, what do you think you would have to add on to Waller to get to Hawkinson? If you're trying to like tear up to like somebody like a George Kittle, it's probably going to take a first at least. Yeah. I'm thinking just because Hawkinson's so much younger and he's the top target in his offense, I would want at least a at least a late first if you could get it. Yeah. If it's like if it's if it's a you're giving me Darren Waller in a second and I've got a decent team, like I I'd rather just hang on to Hawkinson. I think I would too. Um, I don't know how good Waller will be with Adams there. And even without Adams, last year he showed an ability to kind of disappear in games. And he got hurt for a pretty big chunk of the season. He did, but even when he was healthy, like at the beginning of the year, he had weeks of seven, six, eight, which aren't terrible. Like they don't murder you, but they're not great either. Like you kind of want that 10-point kind of threshold for tight ends and obviously you don't get he only that. had double digit he only had double digit targets twice all season right which is not amazing week one i was super worried because he had like he had 19 targets week one yeah and it looked like he, he was gonna... double digit targets again to week nine when he had 11 and then that was kind of it to kind of round things out in this top eight uh you've got dallas goddard and yep. pat fryermuth Dallas Goddard, just because he's a little bit above Fryermuth, just because he's one of the top targets in his offense, and I think he's a little bit more experienced, so which means his production is going to be better for a little yeah. while. Fryermuth is young, but I don't I don't know who his quarterback is. Fair enough. It's currently uh, Trubisky, which is not amazing. No. Um, but he's a but I mean he's also he's a three down tight end, so if you could. If you're maybe not competing right now, I I might would move Dallas Goddard and get Fryermuth for it. Oh yeah, like I think the guys you want if you're not competing currently, like you would obviously want Kyle Pitts. Uh, I think you would want to try and get a Hawkinson or somebody like that. And Pat Fryermuth is another guy that like if you're two or three years away, one of those three guys at tight end, like you're just fine. I think he's gonna be he's gonna be a sneaky useful asset for a while. Yeah. Other guys he's not worth flashy, mentioning, but he's going to be good. Yes. Other guys worth mentioning, I think, are uh, Dalton Schultz in Dallas and Dawson Knox yep. in Buffalo. Um, Though Buffalo did, um, didn't they add somebody? I don't know. They about added that. Uh, what's his name? Gosh, I'm gonna have to look it up real quick. I know Buffalo added tight end. Yeah, check on that for me. Um, Dalton Schultz, you could make an argument that he should be in this list, potentially even as high as, you know, number six or seven. Um, I don't know. Dalton Schultz is interesting just because he wasn't great up until last year. He's a bit of a one-year wonder. 
he was very good last year at tight end, um, but he was still hit or miss. He was like a, he was a tight end, you know. Like there were weeks when he wasn't great. There were weeks when he was very solid and scored touchdowns. Um, That's just the nature of the t- of the position, right? So if their name isn't Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews, don't count on them. Exactly. Um, he had a stretch last year. He had multiple very good stretches, but he had one stretch last year. Where he had 23, 14, uh, 11, and 10 points in successive weeks. He also had a stretch where he had 16, 18, 8, and 15. Um, you know, he finished with eight touchdowns, had 800 yards last year. That's very solid. And you could also see a possibility for that to improve uh, going forward. He's 25 years old. Um, you know, I don't know. I think Dak, Dak trusts him. There's no more Amari Cooper, so he's going to shift, probably shift some targets over to Schultz. Yeah. He might be a later round tight end buy for me in a lot of startups and a lot of dynasty startups. Um, if you could get him, I don't know, maybe in the eighth round, I don't even know if he'll drop that far. And I don't know what his ADP is. I don't have it in front of me. Um, but if you could get him in the sixth round, the seventh round, I think you take him. Um, and he's probably going before Goddard or Pat Fryermuth in startups. So I guess in that sense, you probably could have him higher than those two. The issue with him is he's a one-year wonder. Um, and we haven't seen it before. Um, and there's still some question marks in that offense of the pecking order of who's going to kind of take control of things and uh, you know who's going to be the wide receiver one. Um, he's he's going to still have competition for targets. And as far as Dawson Knox goes, they added O.J. Howard. I don't know how much that shakes things up in the tight end room. I have no idea. Uh, O.J. Howard was a great prospect, but didn't pan out. And I don't know if you... If, I don't know if you like say, you know, he was a great prospect, therefore he steals work because Dawson Knox can't have work stolen from him. He already has a slim production profile, and he was yeah that was great on touchdowns. That was going to be something I brought up. Is he only had like forty nine receptions, but he had nine touchdowns. So right, if his touchdowns dip, he's going to fall really fast, really fast. And I think that obviously that's fair for a lot of these tight ends. Um, but Dawson Knox could be a guy that gets overdrafted because of the offense he's in because of the touchdown production last year. I would expect he has a little bit of touchdown regression because also Stefan Diggs was not scoring as much last year as he did in previous years. Um, and And I'm not going to be surprised. Good. I, I would not be surprised if Gabe Davis takes a step forward as well. And I could see Buffalo adding a weapon or two in the draft too. So yeah, I was wrong on Diggs. He had ten touchdowns last year, so he was still fine. But really? uh, wow, yeah, it felt like he didn't. Uh, Gabe Davis, I do think takes a step forward, and I also think they add. I think you're right. They add a passing weapon. I don't know if it's just a running back or if they're going to add wide receiver depth as well. Um, but Dawson Knox is a little bit more precarious than a lot of these other guys are, I think. I'd be, I would be selling Dawson Knox if I could. I think that's all we've got for this one. Anything else you want to say? Uh, I just can't wait for the draft. I'm bored. <laughs> Aren't we all? Wait for things to happen. If you want to support us, uh, follow us on Instagram at uh, fantasybrothers underscore. And uh, we will see you in the next episode. 
Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Brothers podcast. If you enjoyed it, follow us on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore, and we will see you in the next episode.